and we are back to episode two of Commonwealth Ground. Thank you to everybody that joined us last week. Hopefully everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I know we both did and we're glad to be back with you all here on a fun Monday after a long weekend. Uh, so today we are very excited to be talking about just jobs and politics in general. We know that, you know, with the election being done from last or, you know, really earlier this month, um, you know, there's a lot of people looking for jobs, whether that's at the congressional level, at the state level, for other state legislative elections. Because obviously in Virginia, we have elections every year, uh, but a lot of other places have local elections this coming year. And then, of course, the presidential cycle, which we both have some presidential campaign experience. So we might touch on that a little bit in this episode. And then, like I said, last time we really want to do actually a full episode on our whole presidential campaign experience when it gets closer to kind of the Iowa caucus time. Um, but yeah, if you guys don't remember, you missed last week's episode. My name is Victoria. And I'm Jackie. And we are the co-hosts of Commonwealth Ground. It's The idea of it is to bring together folks in a bipartisan manner to talk about public policy, primarily focused on Virginia, but obviously definitely not shying away from national or even global issues that might come up. So thank you guys so much for being back with us. And uh, let's take it away, Jackie. Yeah. So we, in the course of us getting to know each other, we kind of figured out we had at least to start very similar paths getting into campaigns and into really into politics in general. So do you want to start uh, just like recapping how you got into this crazy messed up industry? <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. So, um, you know, I was definitely involved a little bit in high school. I was actually part of a group called Junior State of America. I don't know if any of our listeners were a part of it, uh, but it's actually bipartisan. That's kind of the first place that I learned about politics in a bipartisan manner. Um, so it was more of a debate club. That was at least my high school's kind of substitute for a debate club. And within that, we really talked about more, again, the, the policy side of politics. And then when I was in college, I got more involved in the political side. I was involved in college Republicans and some campus conservative groups. And then that really led to me working on my first campaign when I was in college. Um, it was, you know, definitely kind of more on a part-time basis. Uh, but I remember, you know, you guys that work in politics, you can fact check me, you can look this up on the FEC. But at the time, I made $100 a week on my first campaign job. Oh, wow. um, but like I said, it definitely wasn't a full-time job. But um, that was kind of my dipping my first toe in the water. So at the time, I was still involved on campus and kind of around campus and a bunch of things where I went University of Kansas. So I was actually a student athlete. I was a student senate, um, which Jackie was in student government at her school here in Virginia, too. Uh, and then basically what happened was the campaign manager just came to one of our college Republican meetings saying, you know, if anybody's staying around for the summer, we'd love to have y'all um, participate on our campaign. And so this was a member running for Congress for like a fifth time re-election. So it wasn't necessarily a super targeted race, but it was still a race that actually ended up being more of a swing seat the following year after she retired. So definitely some good experience under my belt. And this is while you were still in college. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, so that was my first campaign experience, um, and yeah, I just kind of got addicted after that. So that was 2016, so that was in the presidential year, but I was working on the congressional campaign. Um, and then again, along with everything else that I was doing on campus. And then from that, we went to, um, I helped out on a special election. So in Kansas, if you guys remember Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, he vacated his seat in Kansas Ford to join the administration, so I helped on that race. I was about two hours away from where I went to college, um, from Wichita to Lawrence. So I drive down there on weekend. You know, there's a family that would host us in their basement. Um, we love supporter housing. Uh, definitely a great way to mm -hmm. kind of stay involved in politics and make it more affordable for young people. 
um, and then from that was full-time on a race in 2018 uh, and then came out to DC in 2019 first through an internship and I had a job with a consulting firm for a couple months and then I went to Iowa for the presidential cycle um, that was 14 months I was there and then after that came back uh, worked C3, C4 stuff in Virginia, and then kind of made my switch into media. So that's the overarching yeah. uh, picture. Um, and then, like I said, we'll get more into details throughout the course of the episode, but that's kind of the whole picture there. And then, Jackie, if you want to take it away with yours. Yeah, so um, on a similar vein, I didn't really get involved into anything until maybe you could say college. Um, I, I think probably, like, the first political action, like, I ever really took besides just straight voting was going to the women's march at the beginning like the day after donald trump's inauguration in, in 2017 um for me i had kind of had you know as a democrat uh, taken for granted like a lot of people that hillary clinton would win and it was my senior year of college i was so busy with all of the things and i was like i don't need to do anything um, and then I was proven very wrong. <laughs> um, and so I did the women's March was kind of my birth, first big thing. And then I had a friend, uh, who, uh, had an internship later that summer with now Senator elect Danica Rome. But at the time it was her very first primary. She wasn't elected to anything. She was just coming, um, out of journalism actually as well, uh, running as a journalist. And um, so I staffed some polls uh, for her on election day. And then that was kind of it until 2018. Um, and then I was like, okay, this is like my first big kind of test, right? Um, uh, we had the midterms coming up. And I was out here in Northern Virginia and my closest kind of like target seat was held by then Congresswoman Barbara Comstock, now um, Congresswoman Jennifer Wexton. And so uh, me and a friend would pack up every weekend in 2018 and we'd drive out to Fairfax and we were kind of on the like Fairfax Loudoun border and Chantilly and Centerville um, and we'd pick up like a giant like hundred door packet of doors and we'd go out together and we'd knock doors um, and so I kind of got to know kind of a lot of people on her team and a lot of like big volunteers and really involved people in the area and so 2019 comes around, that same friend, uh, this has been the same friend on Danica's team coming up knock doors with me. Um, he was then helping a um, flip target for the Law and Board of Supervisors set up her race. Um, so I was kind of just helping, bopping along, putting the website together, you know, figuring out like what are her top three priorities type deal and got to know a lot of people out there. We're of course coming up to the 2019 General Assembly um, elections. It's kind of like the last time we had elections this year, where it was all of the state Senate and the House and all the local and not the governor. Um, and I just got to know a lot of the people out there until um, my now good friend, Erin uh, Homer. Uh, but at the time, you know, he was a field director for John Bell. And he came to me and he said, um, what essentially boiled down to, do, do you know you could get paid to do this work? I was like, no, tell me more. Uh, you mean I don't have to just volunteer my weekends and, and not get paid and still have to go to my job? So anyway, we chatted. He hired me as a field organizer, and I've been here ever since. So um, that first year, uh, I was with John Bell. I also spent a month down in Norfolk um, on Linwood Lewis's primary that year, came back up for the general, um, and worked primarily for John Bell and Wendy Goditis in Loudoun County. 
Um, I then was a field organizer in Iowa, Nevada, and Colorado for Amy Klobuchar during her presidential primary. While I was there, I got um, a job, uh, I had an interview and eventually a job offer to work on a flip target in the North Carolina State House. Um, so I basically, uh, it was already the plan for me to leave uh, uh, Amy after Super Tuesday. Of course, she dropped out the day before. Um, and so I packed up, flew from Colorado, spent a couple days visiting my parents in Pennsylvania, came back home to unpack and repack, spent a couple days in Virginia, and I drove down to North Carolina like two days before the COVID lockdown started. Um, so I spent that time, all of 2020 in North Carolina, uh, managing my very first race. Uh, I was campaign manager on that one. Came back up home, uh, spent some time working for John Bell again during session, and got connected to my current boss, uh, Delegate Carrie Delaney, who was looking for a campaign manager. Interviewed with her, managed that race. Um, in the middle of that, her prior legislative staff had an opportunity up on the hill, so she took that. I took the official side job and I've now been with Delegate Delaney in I think the longest job I've ever had in my life um, consecutively. So I've been with her for two and a half years now. Yeah, awesome. And so, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but just through your own journey, it's very visible that, you know, one thing kind of leads to another. So for anybody that's maybe from the outside looking in, what advice would you have for them? Because it maybe seems a little bit you know, yeah. stressful and very complicated with how these jobs get passed around you know it's always and with my journey too it's primarily been kind of a friend of a friend knows somebody that's looking and knows that you are also potentially looking or maybe even might not be looking and that's kind of how these opportunities come up yeah when you first get your foot in the door but if somebody is just very basic trying to get their foot in the door maybe they have some political experience maybe none like I know you do some hiring and your current role and some past campaign roles that you've been in. What is something that you look for? Maybe some transferable skills that people might be able to bring to the table. That is a really great question. And everybody has a different in, right, into politics. And so maybe what I say isn't what somebody else did or it doesn't work for everybody. But one of the things that I have found most helpful, um, you know, people say that like it's all about who you know in politics and that's maybe actually about 50% of it. Um, you know, the best place to start is kind of figuring out what your interest is. Is it political? Is it policy? Is it local? Is it like, do you want to work locally? Do you want to work in the state? And just finding somebody, literally just cold calling even. Um, but like, I think one of the things that came across and like, you know, my journey was like, I showed up, every weekend in 2018 as a volunteer. I showed up every weekend at the beginning of, I, I left out, I was also helping, I also in between the um, uh, the 2018 and the 2019 stuff, I also uh, knocked doors for Jennifer Boisco in her special election. So I showed up, you know, I was like there every weekend up through November in um, 2018. I was there every weekend through like just after New Year's in um for jennifer voice about how's there every weekend through like february or march helping this like a local candidate and so i just got to know people but then so that's the, the first 50 percent, right but the other 50 percent of that was i was demonstrating to all of these players that i was somebody who was reliable and eager and energetic and like willing to put in the work 
right? Like, so it is part partially who you know, but it is making sure the right people see what is like what you bring to the table. And so that can be done by showing up on campaigns that can be done by reaching out to your local Democratic or Republican uh, party. You know, you're part of the Arlington Young Democrats, I'm part of our Republicans, I'm part of the Alexandria um, Democrats, like reaching out to people in those structures um, on campaigns. Um, I've connected with people um, from out of state just by like they we had mutual connections on LinkedIn and we met over LinkedIn and grabbed coffee together and just like talked about you know what we were doing and how things worked uh, across state lines and interests like that um, and now that all of those people are I am either in their mind if I was the one reaching out to them as somebody that's reliable or like the persons or the people that have reached out to me over LinkedIn like they're in my mind if I ever need something for them or if I find something that I think they would be a good fit for um, and so I think it's really f for me taking that initiative um, and, and growing your network is kind of the best thing that you can do to get a foot in the door and to like keep going to get to the place where you want to go um, yeah yeah, for me, so again, kind of my first full-time experience, or I guess even paid experience, was on the campaign side. And what really opened my eyes was, so after that member got reelected, I, you know, again, kind of by showing up and kind of figuring out what my further intentions were going to be, I knew that I wanted to become an intern on the Hill. So the way that we did it in the Kansas delegation is you would do half summers. So most people would do like six weeks in the Senate, six weeks in the House. So. I had my first half of my summer figured out, but I knew I wanted to stay in DC for the whole summer. So actually when it came time to working on the special, that person also got into office. And so I actually did six weeks in one house office. It was, you know, very established member was in leadership. Um, she was the former Congresswoman Lynn Jenkins. She was vice chair of the House Republican Conference. And then on the flip side, we had Congressman Ron Estes, you know, just pretty much brand new member. I think I was technically in a second internship class um, for him as a member of Congress. So kind of really being able to see two very different offices, one that was still kind of getting their processes in place. Like I helped set up their newsletter um, when I was there because oh, I kind of knew I wanted to do more of like a press focus in my career. So, you know, just something like that versus something that's very well established, well oiled machine, you know, year, year after year, campaign after campaign, both in the district and in leadership elections. So that really opened my eyes to kind of the different even levels of working within Congress. Um, and then the other kind of flip side of that is again, kind of knowing what your intentions are gonna be, knowing what steps you have to take to get there. But also, again, kind of making sure that you have a track record as somebody that's very reliable. So when I was helping on the special, it was very similar. I was down there, you know, driving down two hours south and back up kind of one way Friday night and the other way back up at the end of the weekend. Um, I also spent like my spring break there knocking doors and I was one of like two or three people that did it. Um, but kind of when I interned on the Hill, the thing that really opened my eyes was that that's actually not how a lot of people get into politics. Um, you know, a lot of people know somebody through a personal connection, maybe like through a community organization like church or something. Uh, there is also definitely the reality of, you know, some people get in through family donors or family knowing each other. Um, but I think campaign work is one way to really set yourself apart. And I think even now, kind of even though I've transitioned out of politics in my day-to-day -day job, you know, I'll meet people that have worked on a campaign in some capacity and that always kind of elevates 
maybe even kind of gives me a little bit more respect for them because I know how strenuous it is and you know even with Jackie and myself I think there's when you know somebody's worked on a campaign that's kind of a mutual level <laughs> of respect that you develop for each yeah. other because even though it's been in kind of opposite or complementary I guess even environments you there is some, you know, you say you've been a field organizer, no matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, or you've done it for a C3 or a C4, there is a certain kind of person that is, does that work, and there's a certain kind of people that that work attracts and really kind of develops your character and your perseverance yeah. um, in a way that, you know, kind of we're talking about, I guess, twofold, both people maybe looking to transition to something parallel career-wise or just transition into this work. But those are definitely, I think, some transferable skills, either if you can prove that you have that from a previous role that you've had, that's very helpful to see. But then if you're also taking that skill set out of politics, that's definitely one I think that you keep throughout your career. Yeah, not necessarily because I re recommend that, you know, as a, as a union supporter, I don't necessarily recommend this. But I do think, you know, there is something to that is said about someone who shows up for like the 17 hour work days for crappy pay and like is willing to pick up and move across the country for their cause. Um, that, that says something to people, I think. Um, but you, you also have to go into knowing that that is kind of the expectation um, as well, because it is really easy to burn out. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the, the internship thing where you like split between the House and Senate is really fascinating to me. I don't have any congressional or hill experience or anything so kind of hearing all of the different ways and I guess it could be even like a difference how every state there could be like 50 different um ways that each delegation likes to do it yeah, yeah. I mean, for us it was something I found people just like to do yeah um but that's fun because they're also like completely different bodies and that gets you like yeah. experience in both of them at once which I think is pretty cool yeah, like I said, mine ended up being two two ones on the house side, but even then definitely helped develop a yeah. good breadth of experience. Um, and then also when we were talking about, you know, kind of what to do for this episode, um, Jackie said something that I think was very good, something that I've thought about throughout my career, you know, that really being on a political campaign is like being in a small business. Mm, um, and yeah. so I think it attracts a very entrepreneurial type of people, but then when you get into yes, your individual campaign might be, but also you have party structures, both state and national and, you know, caucus input. Yeah. There's a way that in that experience, it's even more like a corporation that's also been around for like between six weeks and six months. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. what do you have to add? No, about? I was going to say just, I feel like it's like a small business. I don't necessarily, that means like every business, you know, idea is necessarily transferable. I want to say. Um, cause there's definitely, I think quite a different, um, there are a lot of different skills. Like I, I don't, I mean, I haven't spent much time in private, private, um, America, so I don't, I don't really know, but like, you know, I think where the, some similarities can be, is just like your, the way you interact with your outward facing public, um, you know, voters are kind of like customers, right? Like you have to have some customer service background, um, being able to, to comport yourself when you have someone screaming in your face because they don't like, um, you know, your policy or your boss's policies is probably not all that dissimilar to like working at, you know, at the mall and, ha you know, just trying to get through your day folding sweaters and have somebody coming up and yelling at you for, I don't know, because, 
they didn't like how the display was set, right? Like it's, it's, I don't, so I don't think it's like a one-to-one -one comparison, but I definitely think that there are some skills, especially on the ground level that can really kind of um, go across. And, and to that point, you know, it, when I do hire, um, especially at the intern level, that's something I like to really look for. I, I get some college students coming to me sometimes thinking that oh, I've never worked on a campaign or in, a, in an office. I don't really have any relevant experience. And I was like, stop. Because nine out of 10 times they've worked at the mall or they've been wait staff at a restaurant. And that is all transferable as far as, as far knowing how to deal with people is a very transfer for most industries I would, I would hazard, um, right? That's something that I think um, shouldn't be taken for granted. There's a lot of technical stuff, a lot of political stuff, but knowing how to deal with people, I think is a really big skill that if you are good at and you wanna get into this space, you should really have focus on highlighting about yourself. Yeah, I think that's definitely very much true for our side of the aisle as well. Um, I've even seen that, you know, even with people that maybe interned on the Hill and ended up figuring out they don't like politics at all. They didn't like that element of it. The fact yeah. that you are kind of very public facing in those roles. And I think at the state level, even more so because you kind of are like the only staffer that a member has. Um, so kind of moving along. So say you have, I think for a lot of people, um, and you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but like maybe they see a job posting and they really want to make sure that they get that interview. So if you're looking at a resume, what is something that you are looking at to maybe even bring somebody into an interview? Because again, like if you are the only staffer, maybe you're even the only staffer between the official side and the campaign side. So your yeah. time is very limited. So how do you make sure you're kind of maximizing your opportunities, you know, potentially your members impact um, when you're looking at a stack of resumes? Yeah. So I will say the one thing I don't look at is education. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I went to college. I'm not knocking college education. I think it can be really beneficial and important to people if, if that's that route that they choose. But I also, at least in the positions that I hire for, um, you know, campaign side, that's, you know, field directors. So talking to your voters, um, finance directors, you know, raising money, hiring interns, hiring people to, to work part time for me during the legislative session. Um, I don't need a college education for a lot of those things. It's certainly helpful, especially I think once you get a little more towards the legislative side of things, um, but it's certainly not necessary. And I'm probably not like, you know, I might take a glance at it, but I'm not focusing on it. So I certainly wouldn't like prioritize it on your resume or anything, right? Um, and then from there, it really depends on the role. So like if I'm looking at the legislative side, um, you know, I, again, like I like to see any kind of experience working with the public. A lot of times that has presented itself in retail or restaurant work, but just anything really that shows me that you can comport yourself in a different conversation with uh, people. Um, I, I don't know, I don't really look for like specific experiences on that side, but like more of the actual skills. Did you do something that takes a lot of attention to a fine detail or a high level of organization? Um, did you, like I said, do something that is working with people? Um, are you, you know, can you handle a fast paced environment? Uh, my intern this past session, uh, just cause she was coming back from a winter break, uh, her first day for onboarding was 
uh, the very first day of session and I had had this whole like I was gonna you know at least take an hour an hour and a half to like walk her around the building and show her around the building get her settled nope we had to run to a press conference the second she walked into the door and get the boss to the press conference and deal with the upcoming meetings and getting her to the floor and caucus and didn't have the chance to do like any sort of onboarding until like lunchtime right um so definitely the ability to handle a fast-paced environment on the campaign side i do start to look a little bit more about your experience um so for me hiring i i like to hire my like directorship positions but then i like to let my people build out their teams as they see fit so i think at the directorship position it is a little more important to be looking at like have you worked on a comparable race before or if you haven't have you been you know given responsibilities in your prior roles to show me that you can scale up and take on this new responsibility right um, if I'm hiring a finance director and you're, you've worked a raise that can, you know, that raised maybe $10,000 and I now need you to, 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 to raise $400,000 in this span of, you know, six months, that might not be the right fit, right? Like I might need you to, to show me that you can fundraise a little higher before I'm ready to bring you on. Um, and so that's where I start to look at the actual roles. It's, I don't pay attention to the who in so much as like, as like a political, like, I, I don't use that as a scale to mm -hmm. judge like how democratic like you are. Yeah. It's more of like, okay, what do I know about this race? Was it competitive? Like what was the structure and the results like, like from that, I don't really care about I mean, I obviously care if you're a Democrat, but it's like, as long as you're kind of within that, I don't really care um, how moderate versus how far left you might be. That's not something I'm paying attention to. But, um, you know, if I am looking at, you know, a, a safe seat Democrat from a safe blue state versus a competitive congressional uh, or, or senatorial, I'm sorry. Uh, race, you know, that is statewide, you know, that kind of thing can make a bit of a difference in my brain as well. And then I also like to look for, um, personally, um, if someone has a lot of or any experience working in Virginia, it's not a requirement, but it's a good plus. Um, you know, every state has a lot of differences between the, you know, between them and its own microcosm in Virginia, especially because we do have elections every year is very unique in a lot of ways. And so if someone has worked in Virginia before, um, that that can be a nice point in someone's favor as well. Or if they're from here, mm -hmm. yeah. Have you had to handle any hiring? And like, what do you look for? Not too much. So the C3 and C4 that I worked for, I was in charge of kind of helping build out our field team. So that was probably the most comparable. Um, you know, for us in that year, our operation was like two months, so we definitely wanted somebody local. So I actually had some people, when I posted I was hiring, uh, saying, oh, you know, are you helping with housing? And I'm like, honestly, we like don't really have the bandwidth to deal with yeah. that, but I can even like refer you to some other organizations that I know will house and, you know, realistically, you're probably going to end up knocking on the same doors as me. <laughs> <laughs> so like your experience is probably not going to be that different. Um, yeah. So I... I've, I had to do that in that role a little bit um, of, again, just kind of 
you know, like you said, like everybody knows everybody. And so honestly, if I can refer somebody to another opportunity that I know is going to be helpful to them, like I feel like that, you know, at least kind of checks a box in my mind that like they reached out, they were proactive and yeah. they're still ending up somewhere where they're going to be impactful. So I think that's pretty important too. Absolutely. Um, I can't that, hire everyone, right? Yeah. As much as I like to say, I'm glad, you know, I've had the opportunity to do that too. And yeah. Um, and I think both of us have had people do that for us. So we kind of yeah. appreciate how helpful it is to know, you know, maybe if we're not necessarily a right fit for a specific opportunity, people will still keep you in mind. So Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also like an important key when we're talking about like if, if we're telling people it is about who you know, like that might not get you every single job, right? Because I, I do think that there is, you know, I, I don't think it's just like who you know base and do you think there's a, like a level of meritocracy behind it right but like that being said my experience has been that people are still like if you have shown yourself to be competent and excellent and a good person to work with or for like even if they can't get you a job like people want to help you find something right and they will and they'll keep an eye out and they'll send your resumes on um, and they'll help build those connections for you. Is that is that like a similar experience you've had on, on your side of the aisle? Yeah, it definitely much is the same thing. Um, you know, I even really still to this day, again, even though I don't work in the day-to-day -day of the internal things within politics, even though I'm still involved with young Republicans, both, like I said, at the local and state and national level, um, people will kind of constantly reach out to me or I'll see other people in my network post opportunities, so I'm very yeah. much kind of always looking in terms of like how can I be helpful to people and um, you know I don't I, at this point I don't know if I necessarily will take like a campaign job again but you know it's always yeah. still helpful to see that well, people are still reaching out and yeah. that I can still kind of play a part in someone's journey in that regard. That's a great point to ask my next question then so like what made you kind of decide it was the right time to move out of the campaign space and then at that point, why did you move into more kind of a media focused center? Yeah, so a couple of different reasons. So kind of the one that I shared, I guess, most publicly with Sorensen, we talked about this literally like day one, yeah. of like, you know, <laughs> what, what do we do? How do we get there? Um, so for me, I saw a little bit of frustration, honestly, with working for principals, you know, members, electeds, candidates, working very hard and feeling like at the end of the day, I didn't really get my worth out of that because mm. yeah, sure, like we had the victory, but that didn't always mean something else for me. Um, you know, whether that was a job on the official side or, um, you know, the, the last race that I worked on was the 2020 presidential campaign. Like the thing that I saw was, you know, in Iowa, we won by like 10 plus points, but obviously the national result was not what we wanted. And so, um, you know, honestly, like, which, you know, and that's probably half the reason you went to Iowa, like, you thought that if there was a Klobuchar administration, you'd get a job. Um, I don't know, I don't know if I thought that, but that was certainly a hope, a hope right? Yeah. yeah. Like, um, and I think that's really anybody that works yeah. in the presidential realm is like, you know, you're going to have thousands of thousands of opportunities in DC. Um, and, you know, we're going to look at the people that were there from day one. And so yeah. that didn't really end up happening. Um, and so... When I was working my C3 and C4 job back here in Virginia, um, I started freelance writing. So then I had a 
publication, which I now write for full-time, American Liberty News, I started freelancing for them. Um, and again, I, I really liked being able to put my name on something, which like in politics you very often don't. Um, <laughs> and so that is kind of a reality that you have to live with. Yeah. But I, I like being able to say like, I actually did this and this is my work. Like, you know, sure, like even day to day, you know, I have editorial team, I have a, a business side of our publication. And so obviously it's a team effort in that regard. But like at the end right. of the day, the article has my name on it. It's your byline. It's my byline. Yeah. Um, and I, I do like that aspect of it. Um, and again, like I feel like it's still a way that I can contribute and be involved in the public policy process specifically when I do commentary writing mm -hmm. or, um, you know, again, even coming from the Republican side, I'm, you know, I, I always really still to this day, like I say, yeah, I'm a journalist, but like I'm going to come into this conversation or this interview with a set of values that I have and I'm going to kind of act from those. And I think at least from the way that I see it, there was a lot of media that I worked with because I worked in a couple of media um, you know, interacting with media or media adjacent roles on campaigns, I felt like, you know, again, I'm, I'm sure this is no, uh, not a foreign thing for you to hear, but like, I felt like Republicans weren't getting the fair shake. And so I thought that, you know, I'm, you know, it's not that I won't criticize Republicans, but, yeah. um, I'll, I'll kind of go in there with an open ear, which I think a lot of the more traditional media won't necessarily do that. And so I felt like there was kind of a role to be impactful there as well. Hmm. That's fascinating. We, <laughs> I don't want to get too into that because I feel like we could have a whole conversation. Yeah, we'll probably do an episode about, <laughs> about the media and like its relationship to politics. Um, no, but that's so. But I do want to ask though. Like, do you get the sense, or is it the hope that kind of the work that you do can influence the electeds and the offices that kind of consume and and maybe not so much like is it more than a hope? Have you seen this? in reality and like play out? So not one of my own examples, but actually in the fellowship that I'm in, Young Voices, so it's conservatives and libertarians, mm -hmm. specifically writing about public policy. Um, and there's a number of people that have been involved in that that say, you know, hey, actually like I wrote this op-ed and I know that I flipped votes wow. and like that actually impacted the election. Um, another one of my, exciting, yeah. yeah. Another one of my colleagues from the program um, just a few weeks ago, she wrote something about uh, how pepper spray was in DC. So it wasn't illegal, but a lot of retailers weren't shipping it because I guess that was their interpretation of the DC city council's ruling is mm. that maybe like it couldn't be sold in the, um, no, not the state, but in the jurisdiction. Uh, and so she actually wrote an op-ed that ended up being seen by a number of members of the council. So they actually reached out to like Amazon and actually said, yeah, actually like, please. Please do fulfill these spray. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so again, it's not, it's not my own work. You know, that work is 100% her credit, but like it's part of the exposure that she had through a similar fellowship or the same fellowship that I'm in. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's really like what they're. Um, you know, the, at least in my own role, I do a lot of commentary on politics and the electoral process, but for us to actually apply into that fellowship, we kind of have to have a preeminent policy area or two that we want to focus on um, because, you know, they kind of feel like, you know, really anybody on the internet can like sit with a microphone and like yell at the screen. <laughs> that's um, not what we're doing right now. <laughs> well, and like that's, <laughs> well, that, that's kind of why I wanted to start this podcast yeah. again is like, I, I actually kind of wanted to do something like this for a while, but I didn't just want to be another one of these people that like yells at a screen. Right. I feel like there's enough of them. And so I feel like having it in a context is actually a substantive conversation where again, like I hope that down the line we actually can have experts in the room to 
you know, yeah. maybe talk about their policy areas of expertise that typically the media doesn't cover. Um, and so again, I feel like there's a way to do that that is constructive. And I actually, they're offline now, but I posted a couple of episodes on YouTube of more like rant style videos. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, these are fine, but like, what is this doing? What is it doing? It's not doing anything. And so yeah. like when I just kind of, you know, thought about like the conversation that you and I had, I was like, maybe this is a way to do this where it's actually going to be impactful and actually going to yeah. do something Aww. versus just be <laughs> out there for like people to find, yeah. and, you know, angry tweet or TikTok comment or whatever we have. So, <laughs> oh, that's fun. No, but that sounds really great. Is there, but so is there like a specific area that you focus on in your professional work now that you hope kind of gets picked up and, uh, uh, people start paying attention and change the policy outcomes on yeah I mean so I've always been very much in the gun space that's obviously much more on the Republican side but I think there's still a lot um, to be done in that policy realm but one that I actually think can be very bipartisan is immigration reform that's something that I talk mm -hmm. about all the time um, and over the past few months I've done a number of interviews talking about how um, you know, even the Democrats are realizing that like we need things like a physical barrier on the southern border and there's polling that backs that up that, you know, even people in New York are being frustrated by the fact that they have large numbers of migrants coming to their city and it's taking all their tax dollars and it really like even just this past week, a few days ago, Mayor Eric Adams of New York came out and said like, we're actually going to have a, to decrease our police force because these resources are being rerouted to care from people that are, you know, coming as part of the migrant crisis. So, um, but that's also an area that I think can actually be very bipartisan, even though a lot of the coverage on it, at least from our side, is very negative. Um, and like, I come at it as, as an immigrant myself, an immigrant that's married to another immigrant. My husband and I are both naturalized citizens. And so mm -hmm. I think that gives us a very different perspective on the immigration system than a lot of people especially on the Republican side that just want to say like stop all immigration because um, there's definitely yeah. quite a few of those and like at least in my own case I've grown up in predominantly immigrant communities you know I think Northern Virginia where we live now is definitely very migrant and immigrant heavy um, I grew up in the Seattle area lived in California for a couple years so um, you know again I kind of want to figure out these niches where again like I can be impactful and where what I have to say is adding to the conversation and not just being a part of whatever echo chamber yeah. we have. And so um, that's definitely one of the areas that I've found uh, it be helpful on. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I mean, I, I, we should have a full episode about immigration, but like I, cause I don't know that I fully like agree with the idea of a physical barrier, but like, I feel like, like obviously we absolutely need immigration reform, right? Like, and maybe stuff like, you know, actually, funding the system so that we have judges to hear these cases like is maybe something that you know people can agree on and like get to a place on but you know I'm sure there's probably a ton of other like actual policy issues that we could probably talk about and maybe come to some yeah, yeah that because I don't think either of us are going to sit here and like scream like stop all immigration from you or like uh, you know legalize it all yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm not going to come onto this podcast and say that either um, so, um, but yeah, no, I think that's great. Maybe, maybe we can, we can do some help getting your voice through on that <laughs> and get some progress. Maybe we can do that. Yes. <laughs>
well kind of to wrap up this episode um, i think we both kind of wanted to make ourselves available if there's anybody listening today yeah. and you guys want to be pointed to some resources for sure obviously like feel free to send us your resumes if you think we can be helpful in getting them around um, but also if you email us commonwealthground at gmail.com and you either put like attention jackie or attention victoria um, we can kind of point you in the right direction with some job boards that exist both on the Republican and the Democrat side if you are job searching right now like I'm sure a number of you guys might be uh, definitely feel free to reach out I know kind of time is ticking as these campaigns all staff up so if there's any way that we can be helpful definitely let us know for sure or if you are just interested in having a conversation about getting you know one-on-one about your particular path on getting into uh, the getting into the industry or or what you should be focusing on. I know I'd love uh, to be a resource for that, um, especially any young women that want to do this. Um, like I definitely think we need more um, Republican and Democratic women um, getting involved and, and shaking things up. And it can be, I think, particularly difficult in that realm. So um, we're happy to do that as well. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.